0: Welcome to the Ownership Mindset Podcast, where we talk about the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship. There are so many ways we are being told to think: what's right, what's wrong, what to buy, who to follow, and more than ever, we're seeing how a set formula doesn't always work. I'm passionate about women in all industries seeing themselves as powerful, confident entrepreneurs with no ceiling, and I want it to become contagious. Each episode, you'll be hearing from a business owner or industry thought leader who will be sharing how they think as they lead. We can read all the books, take a course, go to school, but there's something about hearing other people's stories that give us strength and courage. Ownership can be a lonely place. So join me as we listen to other women's stories and find community. So on today's episode, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend Beth. We have met, we've worked together, we've become friends, and she has an amazing story about her career and her journey into solopreneurship. So, Beth, would you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What do you do currently? Where are you located? All that good stuff. So, first, thank you so much for having me on. I am
1: just honored. And I love your podcast. I love everything you do. So this is exciting for me. I am Beth Gebhard. I have a business called Gebhard Strategy. I have 23 years of marketing experience primarily in the corporate world that I now use to help small business owners. I bring a lot of those principles and that corporate training to small business owners through one-on-one coaching packages and uh, a group coaching program. And then I provide virtual CMO services for select small businesses. Awesome. So that's where I am today. My road has been a very twisty one to say the least, but I'll try to keep it short Um, I started my career in New York. I started in the book business. I was a book publicist for a publishing company that published primarily celebrities, a lot of nonfiction celebrities. So these were big PR campaigns, people like Julie Andrews, Steve Martin, Brooke Shields, a laundry list of, of entertainers that obviously we're talking the today show, the view, the Oprah and everything in between. And from there, I actually was invited to be on the launch team for the Oprah Winfrey Network that launched out of Los Angeles. So after 8 years living and working in New York, I moved to Los Angeles and I was the director of communications for the Oprah Winfrey Network and helped to launch that channel. And I did that for 2 years and that was of course very intense and also, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime, but LA was very hard for me and my husband and we made the decision that we were going to try to get a little closer to our home. My, I grew up in Georgia. He grew up in Missouri. So we chose Nashville right in between the two hometowns. And we moved there in 2010. And since then, I had two kids. And um, I, I continued to work in marketing capacities for various different businesses, whether it was an agency I partnered with someone and owned another business at one point. And then the most recent position I had before this business was the chief marketing officer for a local luxury hotel. But when COVID hit, marketing wasn't really necessary for the hotel. So um, I was let go and I started my business. I had it up
0: and running three weeks later. Yeah, yeah. That's it's crazy how many people really dreamed about having their own business and had a COVID opportunity.
1: <laughs> yes, totally. So, well, you know, it's true. I always say, you know, the hand for me was forced into a direction that I had been really thinking a lot about. I had begun, I felt very much like I had outgrown the position that I was in. And that I'm, you know, a mom and I wanted a lot more flexibility and control of my schedule. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I want to know from you, what was the transition like from a corporate, I mean, intense jobs in New York and LA, a very high level. And then you had people telling you what to do. You had intense deadlines, like crazy schedules. Um mm-hmm to going to working for yourself where you were studying all of those things? What was that like for you? You know, it
1: was both refreshing in many ways and tremendously challenging in others. And in fact, I would say I still to this day, I will have run this business now for almost two years. To this day, I still struggle with those things because the structure of the corporate environment can feel very stifling and it can also feel very annoying when you're, you know, racing to get to work on time. When all you wanted to do was spend just a smidge more time with your daughter at the breakfast table, you know. Um, so for that, I certainly don't miss any of that, um, or the the multitude of unnecessary meetings and unnecessary paperwork and whatnot. But the structure of the, corp- the corporate environment is definitely something that I. I, I took for granted. And then when it's all on you, it's hard to determine what the priority is for the day. It's a whole lot easier when someone else is dictating that. Yeah. Um, and so I've struggled a lot with that. I've struggled with work-life balance in the sense that, you know, it's very hard to turn this off. Um, it's very hard to feel like you can just you know take an afternoon even though you know you can your own, your bo- your, you're your your own boss mm-hmm. it feels as though every hour of the day should be filled with building that business and to me that's an easier off switch when you are in the corporate world
0: yeah you can put your phone you can be like i'm offline or i yeah. you know like everybody's like we need a break it's like a collective decision or the offices are closed and for you, it was like, oh, I have to make all of these decisions mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. something I thought about too um, is in those spaces, someone's telling you what you're worth too. Mm-hmm. Like they're telling you, like, your skill set deserves this pay. And then if you mm-hmm. perform here, then you might get this. Mm-hmm. And so, what was that like to transition from someone telling you your worth versus you're deciding what it is?
1: That has been a very rocky road because the truth of the matter is for me personally, my work has always felt like the thing that I could do the best. It was the thing, the area of my life where I got the most reward, the most accolades, certainly felt the most worth. Um, I I always did the job and did it very well. I, I moved up the... Um, you know, promotional ladder. Um, so when that was taken away from me and it was on me to provide that versus you know the external measures, um I think I still really struggle with it because I like the gold
0: star. I like yeah.
1: for people to tell me, man, you crushed that and you know, you're gonna get a bonus for that. Or, you know, have you ever thought about being have you ever thought about a, considering the next level? You know, those kinds of things. When you're determining what are those levels for yourself, you can have some insecurities that you didn't even know were there. And I'd be lying if I didn't admit that when you work for someone like Oprah, when you're, you know, a team of 12 people that have been selected to help launch a network for arguably the biggest star in the world, yeah,
0: you go have a healthy ego. And I did. Right. Yeah, Oprah picks you. You're like, I mean, hey. I
1: was like, <laughs> I am hot stuff. And when we moved to Nashville, I really did feel like the world was just going to open up for me. And it didn't. And so it's been a reality check, even with the businesses where I was still working within a business um, here in Nashville. It has been a slow chip at the ego ever yeah. since for me. Um, And that's been really, I think it's been good for me and my soul, but it's been challenging to feel like the success that I want to feel on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. I feel the one thing that's interesting to me about Nashville, and I know everyone listening doesn't live here, right? Was, I mean, I came from Chicago, like a bigger city and I was like, oh, this is A small city, this is fine, and no one gives a shit. Mm -hmm. No one cares that you worked for Oprah. You know what I mean? Like, everybody is like, literally, not one person. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're like, your kids are with, you know, like you're seeing celebrities in Carline, and you're like, doing all kinds of like, I just was like, you wouldn't believe who my other room moms are. This is insane. Like, I've got like a supermodel and a TV star, and like all this stuff. Really and center. um, no one cares. They're like, "Yeah, I know for two, like whatever, right. you know," or like, and it's um, there. That's what I love about the city. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is that people just are all like, we all entertain. That's our work. This is our life. But at the same time, it can be really challenging because it's like, yeah, so, there's so much noise that people mm-hmm. get numbed out to the skills you really bring to the table sometimes, and yeah. so.
1: And I did think because I had worked in books and I had worked in television and I had a rich history with entertainment, I just completely assumed I would start working in the uh, music industry when I moved here. Yeah. But what I realized was that even though I was at a a decently high level when I moved here, they want you to earn your chops. And so, you know, at... I don't know. I guess I was 32 years old being an assistant and working my way up. Felt really awful. And it, yeah. I was like, wait, what? I need some more. I was Oprah's director of communications. What are you even talking
0: about? But yeah. In it's that so industry, They crazy. want you to earn it. They really yeah, they want do. you to be. There. And that low level mm-hmm. pay is criminal. I would yeah, say. <laughs> like it, it really is. is. It it's actually is. So kind. much
1: to do an expose
0: on oh. what, pu- you know, especially publicity, like a as- publicity assistants and marketing assistant What they're, yeah. Oh my gosh, you should be grateful to be there. It's like really gross. It's really, yeah, really it is. gross. And mm-hmm. it's like, we all had to do it. So now you have, it's like a hazing. It's like really, mm-hmm. I agree and people that, have to work one? a bunch of jobs. Like people, like there was a, st- um, Uh, when I was in the industry a little bit, there was a label, which I'm not going to name, but most people would know their starting salary was below poverty level. Like you would have qualified for government assistance based on your salary working at the label. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is sick. Like this This is is so awful because the people at the top, like and not that those people didn't put their time in and put their ass on the line to earn that kind of money. But I just was like, this is unreal. Like, this is so yeah. awful. <laughs> so, and they work yeah. you. Like, you're working 80 hours a week. It's not like you have the opportunity to get another job, you know? Oh, so,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I think, too, that, but- that
0: conditions
1: you. It conditions you to believe that unless you're working... A million hours and your finger to the bone, mm-hmm. then you aren't worth the dollar you're making. And I definitely brought
0: that into, I still struggle with that for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you better be online all the time and you better be at the mm-hmm. second call. There's so much ass kissing and like uh, it's so like you better that look amazing. Was, you better have yeah. all the right things on, which by the way, when you're making zero dollars, is a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. Like there's so there I knew a lot of people that were in like large amounts of debt. Um, oh, me you're looking to keep at up.
1: Yeah. To well, keep up. Cause I was going on book tours with Candace Bushnell, Candace Bushnell wrote sex in the city. And when I was going on book tour with her, that was the height of sex in the city. That should tell you how old I am now. Yeah. But Oh, you better believe
0: I had that credit card hot and heavy, ready to go. Because you were like, if there's this expectation and stuff will be said to you, like people will oh. comment depending on where you're at. Oh, for sure. Candice, I will never forget. We were at a book signing
1: in Seattle. We were in Bellevue, the Bellevue Nordstrom. And we did a, a book signing there. And when it was over, she walked me over to the shoe department and bought me a new pair of boots because she was embarrassed to have me uh. in my very inexpensive boots.
0: Yeah. It's a wild time. A whole thing. And yeah. there is like it is like in her mind maybe that was kind. Yeah, it was one of those like backhanded compliments, I guess. Or, yeah, or, like honey, yeah. let me do this for you. Yeah, 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 for uh, sure, uh, for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, what about you, pay me more, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'll get, get out a of here. Really cool food that I like. How about that? I know. Oh my gosh. Um, I back to what we were saying about like no one giving you gold stars. I have thought about going third grade and just getting myself a star chart to like oh, I remember I fully like to rem- mm-hmm. I almost I'm like maybe you should design one to market it like the solopreneur it's star a, chart star like chart. yay you signed a new client yes your email campaign like oh my god it's other real
1: so no, good <laughs> let me tell you I would break it down way further because i feel like one of the hardest things is that you are you know you sent in my case i send my kids to school and all i am fighting the urge the siren call of the couch the today show and the coffee i am having to fight the yeah. urge to sloth when because i technically can i don't have a boss breathing down my neck yes but You know, so I would give myself a star. I'm like, okay, you took a shower. Star. You you worked out in your freezing garage gym. Star. You, you know, you went up to your desk, turned the
0: light on. Star. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm like, at work, you do get the like, you're like, I clocked in, I clocked out or like, I showed up in the office and you're like, yeah, applause, like great job, you know? And my advice is just zoning out. So like thinking I'm getting stuff done when really I'm just listening to the Heather McMahon podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> laughing my ass off all day, just being like, yeah. like, I yes, I so like, <laughs> yeah. like Heather, uh, but I typed so much. Like it was Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I so,
1: you know, people talk all the time and I really need to do this, like track your time so you can really yes. see like, yeah. And I know that would be so incredibly valuable for me. And I likely need to start doing that this week. But if, if I really track my time, I know myself. I go into vortexes. I will be, you know, writing copy. And then the next thing I know, I'm, you know, scrolling through someone's Instagram. And, right. and I think I'm working. And yeah, it, it, or, you know, you just get, I do find that you can feel, or at least this was my experience. This is my experience. I felt more productive in the corporate world than I do as an entrepreneur because you're scheduled to the hilt most of the time. And even though all those meetings can likely be very fruitless and a complete waste of time, many of the times you still, at the end of the day, are like, I went to, I went to three meetings, a lunch, I got the spreadsheet turned in, yay for me. Whereas... You know, when you're an entrepreneur, some days you feel like you, God, what did I even get done today?
0: Yeah. And there's this space too at work where you have a relational connection. So even though I feel like some of those meetings are pointless, there's these side conversations happening and things you're accomplishing Mm -hmm. as you're talking, like as Mm -hmm. you're, you know, at the water cooler used to be, but like as you're like grabbing your coffee or as you're passing offices. That I feel like in that entrepreneur, solopreneur space, it's up to you to pursue other relationships with people. One of the things I've done with my like brick and mortar business is I've found people that would be my direct competition (laughs) essentially and invited them out for coffee and been like, this is lonely. Yeah. There's enough clients to go around, like let's hang out. And it's with some be, of my best, like some of my closest friends. Now it's been incredible, but it's um, I, I love that because yeah. you
1: you have more in common with that person than yeah. you do any. They're doing what you do, and it is really lonely and really hard. Yeah. Um, I actually randomly connected with another local marketing strategist that's very similar to what I do. We have completely different branding and different vibe, and she has been doing this far longer than me. But the way that I connected with her on, uh, we actually connected on Instagram was through COVID. Randomly, she had experienced a a really significantly horrible COVID experience. And then when I got sick with COVID, I fell down a rabbit hole. And then I'm saying, you know, we connected. And it's been really nice to talk to somebody who is largely doing much of the same thing I am. Mm -hmm. But we are not treating each other as competitors at all where it's just nice to have a friend in this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I just, for anybody that's listening, I would tell you, like, even if you think someone's your competition or you feel that, like, pang of insecurity when you reach out, like, those relationships have been, like, life-changing for me, incredibly important. And, I, and the thing that I think I missed about being around a lot of people all the time till now is those shared resources And so it's Mm -hmm. like an easy conversation and everyone's saving each other time because you have these shared relationships and these shared resources. And that's still something I think we can have without having to go to like a networking group or something like that. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. those feel, you still can feel really out of place if it's not... Mm-hmm. The right fit right? But you
1: were right in saying it is on you. It's 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 a responsibility that you bear. No one's gonna do this for you. So you are gonna have to get out there and you know, find some people to have coffee with, or in my case, um, and you again, you're like the the fairy godmother that just keeps giving. You um <laughs> Uh, you know, introduced me to WeWork and just having a co-working space. And a lot of those times I just, it feels good to be around other people, just the energy. Yeah.
0: It's not like I'm sitting yeah. chatting with many of them, but I like the feel of it. Yeah. That really came for me out of just like, honestly, like a <laughs> internal breakdown of being like, I know people that can work from home really well. I'm not one of those people And so this is 100% worth it for me, for my mental health, just for the way I come home to my family, the way I show up um, is just so different um, than feeling, you know, the pull of being home. And so it makes a huge difference. So I want to know like the changes you've gone through, you know, like with all of that, how has that affected the relationship you have with your clients? Like really going from having clients that were, you know, like Candace Bushnell or like Steve Martin or working for Oprah, like, and those people you were around, mm-hmm. how is that like, and with those demands, how has that transitioned into mm-hmm. your client work now?
1: Well, it wasn't immediate. You know, it, I didn't, I've had a long road here in Nashville to get used to. A different kind of scope, I should say, kind of person. What it did for me and what it does for me now in my work is that I have perspective on what's possible or what is happening at those levels that may not be relevant to a current small business owner, but there are things that I can, you know, pull from um, that I I feel like. Are not taught, you know, in the online business, which has been a whole education, is just the way that online business is happening and the way people are learning. There's a lot of people, tr- you know, teaching tactics and strategies and whatnot that are the latest, hottest trends. But they may not have the perspective of how, you know, true marketing principles play a role in the success of these tactics. And so, if you don't have, if you haven't learned some of that, then these tactics might fall short. So, I pull a lot from what I did with some of these bigger campaigns and on this much bigger sphere. You know, it was just like kind of getting a PhD in marketing. And I use so much of that now. And I really do not try to spend much time in the latest, hottest trends. Vortex, because in my opinion, there are a million trends, uh, you know, that you can try, and there's a new one every day, and it's an easy way to burn out. It's an easy way to burn out your energy. It's an easy way to burn out your budget. But if you really take a step back and think about what am I about? What is my brand about? Who you know? What is what is my budget? What is my bandwidth? Mm-hmm. And then dive strategically into a tactic that your people are your customers are on and that you that makes sense for your business and you do it with strategy in place, then you're going to have
0: it's a, it's a more sustainable approach. Mm-hmm. Oh for sure. Yeah. It's so overwhelming. And I think that people get they lose their voice by mm-hmm. trying to stay so, mm-hmm. so, so so relevant. And I don't think a lot of people understand that are like and, you know, like starting out, like people have huge teams. So it looks like it's oh. just them, even influencers, wow. they have this huge team. They're paying like mm-hmm. so much to keep that beast going. And so like, and spending so much in ad buys or spending so much, like even stuff you might not see that's making sure it's in front of your face. That like,
1: and if you don't have, and, and you know, if you don't have perspective to know that, you know, most of these, businesses that you're seeing that are you know the algorithm is favoring so you're seeing a lot of this person and all that they have created they have teams i mean mighty teams yeah um, yeah and so i do i i worry a lot about people um that are trying so hard to keep up yeah with what's happening in marketing today and not recognizing that there is just only so much one person or one small team can do yeah. and that that is okay. You know, your benchmark for success does not need to be at the level that this person who has, you know, a team of 30 and, you know, running what seven, eight figure businesses, you don't need to be there. That doesn't, I mean, maybe that's where you want to go one day, but I do worry a lot about what what they're perceiving and what is reality.
0: Yeah, yeah. And really just being appropriate with the investment that's right for your business, right? Because again, mm-hmm. just like the music industry, I mean, people fake it and go into so much debt. Oh God, And like just to try to get their name out there. And I just feel like that's a horrible, that's a bad foundation to build your business on because you can be like gone in a breath, you know, oh. like once that bee stops or if you, take a big loss or something. It's Mm -hmm. not good. Um, So I want to know from those marketing principles and your foundation, like what does it look like in your client work? Because I know you've transitioned, like you're working with people with different scopes of revenue, right? So you have Mm -hmm. like your like full days and CMO clients, and then you also have Uh, marketing group um, that you've Mm -hmm. made available for people that are just starting or have lower revenue. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about each of those things.
1: Well, the irony is that
0: even, you know, I have, I work
1: um, as a virtual CMO for a business whose, you know, annual revenue is between seven and 8 million. I mean, they're a healthy small business to say the least. Yeah. And then I also have a group coaching program that has, yeah, just like you said, some that haven't even, you know, made it past the idea that they, they are, you know, in full blown beginning phase. And the the irony is that everything I do is is it's seamless. I mean, it's it's it still goes back to the principles. I have a framework that I apply to every, you know, every type of client. It just. It can look different in terms of what the actual manifestation of it is. But yeah, everybody has to start with brand. I I believe that you cannot have a successful marketing strategy. You cannot see the fruits of any marketing if you're not very, very clear on your brand. And that is sort of like the found, if you're thinking of a metaphor, a house, it's the foundation of your house. So yeah. it doesn't matter if you are in my group coaching program or you're that CMO who had, I mean, that a uh, business owner who has had tremendous success, but really has never taken a step back to, to determine this and, you know, get it on paper, get it out of their head, get it on paper so that everyone who's on the team as they build recognizes what is our mission vision values how does that translate into your your business's personality and the way you talk you communicate um, so that framework is applicable across the board and then beyond the brand, the next step of that is determining your goals and the goals marketing should uphold the business goals marketing is in service to your business And a principle that I share across the board is, you know, make sure your business, make sure your product's good. Your service is good. That is the best marketing you could possibly have is word of mouth. You know, you can make it pretty and shiny all day long with some really slick marketing, but if the product or the service cannot stand on its own, it won't work. It won't last. So, you know, you really need to invest the time and you're, you know, you need to make sure that you feel really solid about the service or the product that you're providing and set some business goals around that, that then the marketing can support and marketing then comes in and you develop a plan where you are taking those business goals and breaking down whichever one of those is applicable or has aren't, you know, has a, an opportunity in marketing. So if you're wanting to, you know, increase your revenue, well, one of the levers that you can pull from a marketing perspective is looking at, well, how many leads are you attracting? Or how many, you know, what is your brand awareness? How, how many people even know about your brand? And then you can break it down from there. So I again use this framework with any level of my client. These are just principles that I'm I'm really not sure many small business owners or any mm-hmm. online business owners have ever been taught I think right. a lot of them have just you know thrown themselves into what they do very very well mm-hmm. um, their creative passion and they've made an amazing business for themselves but their marketing has consisted of a hastily thrown up social media platform and you know maybe they they took a course on how to put their email marketing together but they don't know anything beyond that. And yeah. then it becomes a real pain in the ass. Like, yeah, it becomes the last thing that any business owner wants to do. They're like, what am I going to write about today? Or is anybody even reading my newsletter? And I just really try to take people through those foundational principles because that mm-hmm. is what will make those tactics worthwhile, feel, you know, there's some ROI. And lead you to the ultimate business goal that you want.
0: Oh yeah. And the ROI on that, like a good foundation and really being able to identify it as an owner, like you can outsource it all you want and just throw, like there's people that'll do all of it for you. But if you don't have those foundational things to really guide your voice, or at least have some background or someone guiding you like you, like it's. It's like just throwing money away, in my opinion, yeah. because eventually it just goes away from your authenticity and doesn't match your brand. Mm-hmm. And then your website to your to your in person interaction to your socials end up not matching. You know, they're the people not aren't the same, and like people, they're not having the same experience.
1: And you know, you confuse a customer, you lose a customer. Oh yeah.
0: So oh yeah, yeah. And so, where can people find you? I know that your group right now is closed, correct? It is. yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I launched with your brilliant help, Lauren. Um, I launched a six-month coaching program. And so the doors opened for it, which I have to laugh. That is such a marketing term that I don't understand. Enrollment opened. (laughs) There are no doors. There there was not a physical door. (laughs) Um, Enrollment opened in January and we kicked it off on January 11th. And that will go through June. Yeah, June. And then so people can join the next six months, which will start in July.
0: Okay. How do they get on the waiting list for that?
1: So right now I need to have a waiting list, but what they, the best way to get any information into what's going on in my world and the opportunities to work with me would be through my newsletter, my email. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually just, I used to be on Instagram quite frequently, and I do obviously have a handle at Gephardt Strategy, but I am currently taking a break from Instagram because I'm practicing what I preach. I tell people, give something, you know, marketing is an experiment. No one can tell you, you know, unequivocally, this tactic that's working for everybody else is going to work for you. That's not the case. There are a million different ways to. You know, attract your market and sell your your goods or your services. But you do need to give it a college try. You need to test whatever it is you might want to test. You know, maybe you want to test Instagram. Maybe you want to test TikTok. Maybe you want a YouTube channel. Maybe you want to do events like in real life events. Give it a real, you know, put your best foot forward and invest your time and, and try. But if you start to recognize, that all the time and effort that you're putting in, especially as a small business owner, is not producing results, then you need to switch tactics. That tactic is not working for you. And for me, right. that's what I started to feel like with Instagram, that I was spending far too much of my time, which is greatly limited. Um, I have two small children. You know, I'm running this business alone, that I was spending so much time on it and I was not getting... The results, and a lot of that has to do with the change in the platform and the algorithm, yeah, you know, most of the people I have a small audience, but most of those people were not even seeing my content,
0: yeah, yeah, which is really, really frustrating for creators, and I think that there's definitely going to be some changes that come to that. so if people want to connect with you, we have your website Gethardstrategy, yep. get right? uh-huh Instagram, just a follow if for when you come back, right yeah. Um, and feel free to DM
1: me. I'm still on it. I'm just not posting.
0: Yeah. And then, um, what about, I know you do consultations as well. So if someone really is like, oh my gosh, this opened my eyes. Like I don't have the foundation you're talking about. I'm scared. I might be doing good now, but like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. How do they connect with you? What does that consultation look like?
1: So yeah so I offer a free consultation call and um I am really action oriented in that. I mean obviously yes at the end of the call I'm going to tell you about what I offer and how you might want to work with me but you're I dig in. I want you I want you to experience what it would be like to work with me so I like to get in there and hear like what's what's going on what's working what's not what are some small actionable tweaks that you can make. Today, um, I had a consult call. It's it's actually a testimonial on my site. Um, I had a consult call with a woman last year, and she had just she specializes in postpartum um, women's health, and she had created an online course um, that she very much she poured a lot of her time and resources, energy in, and wasn't seeing results. And in our consult call, I went to her website, and I, and the the entire banner. Was, was a stock image that didn't, it didn't even, it was like flowers or something. Yeah. I was like, you know, the, we are not, no one is landing here and knowing what you're doing. Let's change yeah. this image. Let's pull up, um, let's do add a banner at the top that advertises your course and a call to action button to get into that course. Just make those changes, to see what happens. And she like tripled her enrollment. Within you know weeks of, of that very small tweak, so for there's a sure. lot you can do. Yeah, um, with just a small change. But some, but it's hard when you're in your own business. It's very hard to diagnose your own problems. I mean, right. I have
0: the, I have that problem for myself. Yeah, um, yeah, which is why working with you was so helpful. Yeah, I mean, I always am like, that's why therapists see therapists like yes. you. You can diagnose other people all day long, but you can't see what other people see about you. And it's so, so, so valuable. So, well, I wanted to. So, sign up
1: for that. Sorry. Okay. Go. No, go for that. That's on the website. Um, So, sign up for a free consultation call and it'll link to my calendar, like a Calendly link.
0: Yeah. And yeah, if you are looking for clarity, I mean, you heard Beth's resume, you heard who she's worked with. Like, if anyone's going to find it for you, like, this is a good pick. So, um, Oh my gosh. Well, I
1: hope that, you know, a, a lot of what you're listening to today is is after working with you and after really wrangling some deep-seated sort of money um, blocks that were really holding me back as a business owner. So um, I am very appreciative for you and your work, Lauren.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for being on. This was so fun. Yes, I <laughs> love it. <was. laughs> Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that listens. If you are struggling with being overworked, overwhelmed, and seeing it affect your team, your stress level, and your bottom line, head over to ownershipmindset.com. I offer a free training and a link for us to connect and talk about your business. My favorite thing to do is help women transform their businesses by getting themselves unstuck, profitable, and reconnected with their passion of why they even started this in the first place. Subscribe to get the next episode when it drops, and I'll see you next time here on The Ownership Mindset.